gentlemen, um, Rion isn't ready to start, but we're going to start anyway. So I just wanted to let you know that that's the case. We, we jumped on and, um, the following words were said to me out of Rion's mouth. <laughs> and, and that's how he introduced himself to the start of this. So thank you, Rion, for joining at such a, such a pointed time and, you know, the work schedule in which you're devouring what can only be described as a cylindrical Italian sausage that may or may not fit in his mouth. So I'll, uh, I'll leave not fully, of course, not fully, not, of course, never fully, never fully. I'll let the mind wander. <laughs> oh man. But anyway, well, what's up everyone? Um, we're back, uh, on the overlap. We, we took a, like a two week hiatus almost, but mainly I will say because of me trying to move and trying to get my work schedule aligned. Um, uh, is a busy couple. boy. I'm a busy boy, busy man. Um, had a rough, work week last week, but we made it through. And, um, yeah, so we're back, we're back recording, but I will say, I will say up front, this is probably going to be our last podcast for a couple of weeks, just because there's not much to talk about after this until the champions league comes back at least. But we want to get one more in there before we, uh, we take a small break, a vacation, if you will. Yeah, um, yeah it's not, it's not that we're <laughs> over. It's, it's, it's a break. We're taking a break. Oh, it's a vacation. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like a couple week vacation. Um, <laughs> until some more, you know, football comes back, but we wanted to bring you guys one more podcast here before we take our vacation, talk a little bit more about how both of, you know, the big leagues wrapped up now, um, in Europe, talk a little bit of the champions league closer to the end of the podcast. And, uh, of course, why Jordan Henderson should not have won the player of the year award, which I have a very good rant for. So trust me, I've been preparing, but Rian, Rian, it's been a couple weeks. I mean, I talked to you <laughs> during those couple of weeks, but other people may not have. So how are you doing? I'm, um, well, Elias and I talked about this a couple of nights ago or last night, actually, I, outside of, um, work and, you know, work-life balance, pretty good. But, you know, outside of that, I've also had to come to terms with my own mortality in the last two weeks, <laughs> more than, you know, the, Global pandemic has already made me come to terms with, of course, but but in a more selfish way, um, my back's been hurting a lot the last couple of weeks, and um, and I did a telehealth call on Monday, which uh, which actually went very, which was a lot cleaner and easier than I thought it would have been, um, and and uh, now I'm on the road to uh, sign up for some physical therapy and. And I've been prescribed to do some some uh, yoga daily, like three times a day now. For oh, so, oh, I didn't even know it was that yeah. much. I knew you had to do it, but that's a lot. Three times yeah. a day? Yeah, it's like like the doctor asked me to do like a few poses, like a few yoga, um, whatever stretches, like three times a day, and it's only like four stretches or something like that. So each of them only only take around like five minutes or so. So it's not like something that takes up too much of my time, but. But, uh, but yeah, and it's just, God, I would not wish back pain on literally my worst enemy. Rian, I'm, uh, I'm starting to think that you might, you might need to be filing for social security soon rather than you know, finding a new apartment or something like that. Oh, dude, now would be the great time to do it. Uh, <laughs> our, social, our social security, our social security is about to get 
<laughs> it's tightened, not going to exist. Tighten to hell by the time we can actually retire. So, so maybe this is actually my way out. Oh, I think. <laughs> yeah, your early your early peak. Yeah, yeah. You're you're not. We're not going to have social security, but that's a completely different podcast alone. So I'm um, I'm sorry to hear your back's hurting. Um, I hope that Sunday brings you a little more joy. Um, realistically, it should. Yeah. But but um, hey, enough about me though, Elias. How have you been? <laughs> Good. I mean, I, um, I officially moved apartments this past weekend, which is great. We got a lot more space and, um, you know, good deal with New York rent prices being uh, a little lower because of the pandemic, but yeah, we needed some more space. So now Rihanna and I can freely record. We, for context, we used to record at a small little table in my shoebox apartment, um, prior to the pandemic and like our knees would touch and like the table we'd like our computers would be touching and there was like no space to do anything. And our microphones were like against our chest. So it's just going to be like, I have a proper dining set now. So it's going to oh. be a completely different experience. <laughs> Can for, you imagine? All of us. What a concept. Seriously. Wow. What a concept. Yeah. Our budget, yeah. our budget for season two, we got, we got a bit of a, <laughs> we got a bit of a, a boost in the, in the transfer kitty. So well, we'll be <laughs> yeah, it's called security deposits. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That counts, of course. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, so we'll be, of course, bringing you season two. Um, you know, once season two starts <laughs> later on. But I really, actually, before we even start, Rion, I, I just realized that we didn't even celebrate our one year mark. Like we celebrated like fifty episodes, but it's been a year since we started this. Yeah, it's 52 weeks. Yeah, I think our I think our 50th episode came around the same time as like the first year. That's uh, true. That's mark. true. But again, crazy, crazy. And it's happy, happy, happy that we've been able to do this and happy that honestly, uh, maybe the pandemic was not that bad for, <laughs> for, 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 for the content that was that. Obviously, a horrible, horrible event. <laughs> yeah, be careful what you wish for. But, but uh, I guess I'm speaking to this as an American. Uh, we're literally like that SpongeBob meme where Squidward is inside his home and he's looking out the window, and everyone else in Europe is getting to play. <laughs> and, and meanwhile, half of the Florida Marlins, the baseball team here in the U.S got diagnosed with COVID in the last <laughs> week <laughs> while the team, yep. while they are trying to play an actual season. So, you know, the, the content has been a good, uh, the content in Europe for talking soccer and stuff, especially the last four months has been a really good distraction from the disaster that's going on around us. Yeah. It's been a very much needed distraction, but now with it wrapping up, Rian, you know, we learned a lot throughout the season. Um, I actually learned a lot more about La Liga, about Spain, um, even more than I, you know, I expected to, which is always great. And of course I learned more about the Premier League. Um, as people know, I watch La Liga more than I do the Premier League, but let's start off in England for a second, right? Now that the Premier League is over, we know what the table looks like. Um, a very, very heated last day. You know, what are two things that you learned from either Chelsea season or, or the Premier League in general? I mean, a couple you know, a couple things for me, at least. I, I think the biggest thing, and this is not even just for the Premier League, this is 
just really what I've learned from watching soccer than I ever have in my in in a one year span. <laughs> Definitely over the last four months, <laughs> most soccer you've ever watched. But, yeah, but yeah. Um, just generally watching more soccer than I think I can really remember for a long time. Um, the biggest thing I learned from this season, I I think, is the narrative of a player or team or manager in the media and the narrative starts and then it's just run with for almost an entire season at times, really. And almost no matter what actually happened in the games, (laughs) the result will be twisted in whatever narrative you like. For example, it's United shit for five months of the season. (laughs) We all agreed they were shit. They were absolute shit attacking wise. Like they could not genuinely break down a team like Norwich who were basically giving teams goals. Like it's whatever. So that narrative, that narrative, they're shit. They were shit. And then as soon as Bruno Fernandez comes in a very good player and genuinely, just like the first time we've seen more than one, we've seen like an actually good midfielder at United probably in like, oh, I don't know, three or four years. Attacking midfielder, I should say, because obviously Pogba's a very good midfielder. But the first time United gets like an actually influential attacking mid or number 10, now the narrative has become, wow, I guess Ole really did do a great job. <laughs> Good job, Ollie. Good job. The team couldn't score for five months and just looked helpless. Granted, I get it. Daniel James was in the team most of the time, as well as the fake Brazilian Andres Pereira. But the narrative Brutal. switched. And now, and, and mostly because of the first five games of this restart where we got to see Pogba and Bruno Fernandes play together, that narrative has now, has now begun wow, United looks sick, and they could challenge for the title next season. And that's going to be the... To be fair, you bought into that narrative. Well, I bought... Okay, well, let's be clear. I bought into the narrative that they could could get over Leicester. And surprise, surprise, Leicester basically bent over for six months, (laughs) for the last six months of this season. And Brendan Rodgers, Brendan Rodgers himself, and... So United, that's a narrative going to next season. Watch for that to get pushed. Someone's going to come out and say, just watch for some random um, pundit say, I think United can win the title next season. Someone's going to say, I I would bet so much money. Someone's going to say it on TV in front of actual other human beings who are not United fans. And it's going to get broadcasted to other human beings who might actually start believing it. So, Big thing for me that is the narrative is like in maybe in sports in general, but definitely I think from following a lot more closely this year that once a narrative builds, the media, including including even like the U.S. pundits here, like the Robbie Earl on 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 uh, NBC, the two Robbies and stuff, and, and like Cal Musto, the the guys who do NBC uh, Premier League coverage. The narrative is there too. It's, it's almost, it doesn't even matter what country. <laughs> so like the narrative is very strong. That's my first, that's, that's my first thing. Uh, Elias, so did you, 
I'll let you go for your first thing before I before I rant anymore. No, that's. I mean, it's really funny that you you bring up the idea that I, I guess narratives like they don't change, right? Like it, it's so important to realize how different the essentially the first half and the second half of the season are, um, because. It, I don't know if you read the papers, like in different sections of the season, you'll, you'll feel like you're watching two different teams. That's not exclusive to United at all. Um, but it, it's two different, two different point of views, basically. That kind of leads me to what I learned from the season. This, this is kind of both a Premier League and La Liga thing. Um, and it's a completely subjective thing that I learned, but I think I solidified my belief in that there's a right way or a good way to win games. That meaning I I don't think that like scrappy wins or, you know, whatever close wins are um, combined with just luck is the right way of either building a team or building a narrative Um, Please keep going. I I can't (laughs) agree anymore. (laughs) No, I just, I think that I, I'll give you two teams as an example, Leicester in England and Hatafe in Spain, two teams that I think one in Leicester play semi-decent football. It's not bad. Um, but the way that they win games is almost purely in my opinion, based on a couple of individual players. And if those individual players don't show up, then you don't have a team that wins. And I mean, you could say the same thing about Barcelona and yes, I, I agree with you, but the point still stands in that there's a right way in winning games and the right way in the, in the good way, quote unquote, of winning games is by building a team, right? Not basing on individual players. And it's not by playing aggressively and, you know, purely being a physical team. You have to have talent. You have to have a team culture. You have to create a side that actually believes that they can win. And that's much, much harder than it is, or much easier said than done. Um, And and I think Hitafe also being an example of a physical side that, you know, they clearly know how to win, but you even saw after the restart that they kind of fell off. Like, there's no consistency. Granted, you know, their coach is fantastic, and um, I I give him a lot of credit, but I, I don't think that they're a team that I could ever support you know, there's a large debate in Spain about it. Are Hitafe, you know, a good, like a, a good team to watch? Like, do they play good football? And my answer is no, I don't think they do. Um, in the same way that I, th- I think, you know, at times Leicester do not, and it's their own demise. So that's what I learned that there is, in fact, in my opinion, a right or a good way to play football. Yeah, I love that. I mean, <clears throat> that kind of ties in very nicely, I think, with my second. My second thing, which was, and I guess my second thing somewhat ties in with my with my first thing as well. But does it also tie into your of, second first thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It'll <laughs> tie into the next to, to the next ninety eight things on my list. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I've got five hours. But um, but no, the second thing for me was really like appreciating that you. I mean. Pep Guardiola has been saying this for years, but like that you can lose a game and play much better than the other team and like, and just genuinely play very well. But if you lose, then this comes back to the narrative thing. Then it's whatever criticism to fit 
my narrative or this is again more pointing towards like broad media kind of thing like whatever result or whatever uh, explanation that i have for the for that result that fits my narrative is how we're going to run with this without appreciating that a team can play much better and just not win sometimes and and that happens and that's i think something that's hard especially i think as americans <laughs> to understand because like all of our major sports pretty straightforward like basketball if you play better than, better than the other team you make more shots you're gonna win in american football you play better than the other team you score touchdowns you're gonna win in soccer you play better than the other team and you could hit the post and you could um come up against a very good goalkeeper or you could i don't know just be so good at attacking have so many people forward because you assume at some point we're going to break through. Meanwhile, I understand the point that you have to have balance in your team, blah, 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 blah. But anything can happen uh, and teams can lose games like one nil or two one or something, even though they dominated, not just possession. And I'm not someone who's just like possession is the only thing, not just possession, but more like chances created and like actually good chances created and, and quote unquote control of a game or what whatever that means. But I think like the the biggest thing is that comes from that is realizing that this is a super random sport. <laughs> like I don't know like how often in I mean yeah. <laughs> like, how often in um the NFL is someone is the quarterback like accidentally kicking the ball back into his own end zone. <laughs> just, just, just to, just to, just to like kind of tie it. Like sometimes a defender will kick the ball into his own net by accident. <laughs> so, you, you make valid points. Yeah. And sometimes the ball's going to hit off of a team's own defender and go into their own net. So it's just, I think moving away from this notion that like the result is all that matters. And that's, how you can tell someone's good or bad. We had biggest example of this first week of the season, or maybe second game of the season, the Tottenham and Manchester city game at the Etihad where Manchester city have like 70 something, 70 to 80% possession. They dominate all the chances. They score two goals. Tottenham scores one goal of a pretty bad goalkeeping mistake and a single off of a corner, which is a set play. It does not even <laughs> what normally is a normal. So it was normal, obviously, but that's set plays are so uh, such a small percentage of the game. So another random, like this sport is very random and you can tie. They end up not winning that game. They end up yeah. drawing that game. They end up not winning because of, the hand, the new handball rule in VAR. Like you can play so well, and it doesn't matter. And I, I feel like Pep has just been saying this forever, and and I didn't really understand. I didn't truly feel it until this season, and and really understand what he what what he said all along. And and I think the the moment we get away from just looking at the result and having that be the way we tell that a team's good or not, or <laughs> that a team played a good game, and and I hope that that comes with you know, stats and stuff and data and, and stats being more um, explained in media coverage, which never will be, be probably not unless it's like <laughs> literally people our age that are there. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I, that my, my grand thing, second thing was just like appreciating that 
you can be a very good team. You can be a good team. You can play a very good game and end up with not not the result you deserve. And and on the whole, during a season, sometimes some points that you that you don't end up like getting and you probably deserved. So yeah, yeah, I think Liverpool are probably still fuming um, over a point somewhere. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> realistically. So yeah. yes, I I hundred percent agree. My um my last point or the last thing that I guess I learned the second thing is this is going to sound a little cliche, but how important a manager is to a team success. I think to this day, it's still so underrated, right? I mean, we see the transformation that Klopp made. We see the transformation that Pep made. We see the transformation that even Pochettino made in England. And I can go on and on about managers in Spain as well. Right. But you have to understand how critical a manager is to a team's success. It isn't just that they sign good players and those players and go out and play. Those managers are responsible for each individual player's development. They're responsible to their pers- for their personal growth, their growth on the field, everything and anything in between the managers is responsible for. The assistant coaches, the training coaches, the specific coach, all of that is brought in by the manager, Right. That's so crucial to a team's development, harboring the right team culture, harboring the right mentality of all things. The mental agility of a team is, I think, what builds consistency. Consistency wins you trophies. That's all stems from the manager, right? And in essence, the manager is a reflection of club management, which, of course, we all know needs to be great. But the manager of the team is... Like you can't underrate that position. I, I just I think it's still to this day underrated. So, yeah, I, that's going to be my last point. Wow, again, that that's again, all about like the process, the process of like what goes into building a team and what goes into building a successful team. It, it's something that I think that I agree. I've, I've also like appreciated that more um, from this season or from watching from watching a lot more this year. So. Uh, we'll, let's we'll see what we learn again a year from now but but <laughs> yeah I, I think i think my overarching thing is that i don't trust i don't trust the um fake news media in, in soccer <laughs> i don't, I don't I trust gold.com i apologize i apologize <laughs> but pretty much in general a lot of sports media one narrative sticks and then everyone jumps with it. And we got to appreciate that sometimes you can play well and you just don't, don't win games. You don't win. Touche. Touche. My friend, that's very, very fair. Well, moving on, I guess, from the things that we learned, um, you know, we'd obviously love to hear what some of you learned as well. So feel free to let us know. Um, But in terms of, I guess what we learned by the end of the season in England is that, miraculously Manchester United are going to be in the champions league and not so surprisingly, Chelsea will also be in the champions league. Uh, surprisingly, Leicester will not be in the champions league. Sadly, wolves will not be in the champions league. Rian, what happened the last, okay. Give me, give me, don't even give me the rundown of what happened the last day. Give me the rundown of what happened for Leicester and wolves. How did they end up in a position where they missed out on the champions league? Well, I think with wolves, it's, I don't feel like at Wolves and Lesser are completely different reasons why they missed out. Wolves, True. <laughs> Wolves just 
ultimately didn't just end up picking up enough or picking up enough wins, really. They had a lot of draws. They had, uh, <laughs> oh, genius, like, genius. They didn't well, win enough games. Oh, my God, no way. <laughs> picking up enough wins from draws, sir. <laughs> I stand corrected. Um, anyway, but no, no, Wolves was just – it's a great season for Wolves. You, we were talking about whether they could break into the top six, and, and they did. That, that was – this was – anything more than this would have been – greatly overachieving let's let's be real like a fourth place finish would have been a huge overachievement um a fifth place finish with man city having to still serve their (laughs) ban would have not been like super crazy but but uh but no we have to we have to commend wolves they still had a great season still a great season they still are in the europa league so they can still make it to the champions league they're they're still going to be one they're still we both believe that there's still one that they are one of the they'd have to be one of the contenders in in Europa to win the Europa League. They've been one of the most consistent teams in Europe all season and I don't mean by consistency I don't mean just like they've been winning a lot and stuff but like consistent consistent uh performances, consistent playing style. Like you watch Wolves and you know what they're about and and you know that there's like an actual culture and personality to the team and the way that Nuno sets them up and the way that they play. It's, it's, it's lovely. So not worried about wolves, but Lester is a different story. I did say, <laughs> I did say at Christmas that I think United will get, will get fourth place. They end up getting, you did, third, you did by on goal difference, but they did end up popping into the top four because I did feel like Lester was, falling off a bit and granted helped with no Ricardo Pereira for most of the second half of the season. Um, Wilfred Ndidi, who I think we both had in our um, team of the year and he was gone for about a month and a half during the, during the second half of the season. And then the, they didn't have James Madison or Ben Showa for the last four games of this season. So really injuries ended up decimating um, Lester and, Overall, it's just they didn't have the squad depth to be able to outlast a Manchester United who got back Paul Pogba at the perfect time, and they got back a Marcus Marcus Rashford who was gonna miss the whole se- the re- the rest of the season. Like we <laughs> we ha- we can't forget that if Marcus Rashford and Paul Pogba were just missing for the rest of that season for United, the yeah. narrative would have been slightly <laughs> different, don't you think? <laughs> It's oh, just like, a little bit. Just it's a almost bit. like the players <laughs> kind of were the whole reason that United had any chance of finishing in the top four and not <laughs> the guy who is sitting um, looking at an iPad for most of the game. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know. Um, but no, Leicester, it's tough. That they'll be back next season. We'll see what happens with, I believe it looks like James Madison will sign a new contract at, um, with Leicester and, Ben Chowell, who knows, that's up in the air, um, <clears throat> whether he gets his move away from Leicester or not. They're not going to be in any position to um, need the money. They're, they're a very well-run well run club. So it's tough for Leicester, but but they'll come back. I, I think um, I think we have to talk about the teams who finish in third and fourth, though, right? For all the shit I give uh, Ole Gunnar, you got to give him credit for... In the least, Unfortunately. keeping the team stable enough to strike when Leicester was 
just crashing and 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 keep and bringing through the young player. You have to you have to give him some credit for bringing through Mason Greenwood, who I mean, honestly, if he didn't bring him through, like he just genuinely looks like a very good player, and he looks like he's going to be a very good player. So it would have been hard. Another to light skin. Yes, love it. Of course, <laughs> <laughs> you should go to City, dude. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, no. Uh, you gotta give him, gotta give him credit for bringing through the, the youth players and finding a way to finish in top four. You know that that was really all that was asked of him, and and he found a way to do it. So you gotta give him credit because obviously, it, as much as we maligned their uh, attack, their defending was genuinely one of the best in the league. So. I hate that narrative, too. but I'll, I don't even want to go that's into it. That's not a narrative. I, I, still, I had that stats that backed it up. I had my, I, I, we've gone over this. I, I also have stats that show Kevin De Bruyne should have won player of the year, but look how that turned out. Well, so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but the, of course. Yeah, but exactly. Finishing top four is a bit more objective than, than a, an award. <laughs> so. Shut up. <laughs> all right, fine. So, all right. And go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go on. And uh, and then one la- last thing, I, I save him, saving him for last. Fourth place, Chelsea, finding a way to get a big win against Wolves on the last day. That's a huge, pr- like huge pressure game for those young players. Same thing in United as well. A lot of young young players. It was a uh, pressure packed last day of the season. Um, but for Chelsea, the young players stepped up. Mason Mount stepped up with a huge free kick at the end of the first half. And then Olivier Giroud, who came back from the restart, I, I, I got amongst men. <laughs> much. It just looked like it. It was the weirdest thing. I, I for as much as, um, as I criticize him in my own home when watching, uh, I criticize <laughs> him for, for most of the time, probably unwilling to take more than one touch when he has the ball and just always like looking to play one twos. The second goal against wolves is genuinely, I think the first time all season I've seen him take more than one touch on the ball and the hunger that he showed to score that goal was just chef's kiss really. (laughs) So, um, but you know, we look ahead to next, we were looking ahead for those two teams. Like they're going to be in a very different position than they were uh, for United and and Chelsea. Of course, Um, they're going to be, very different teams than um, next season with, with the signings and players that will be going out. So Champions League, huge for both of them, and they're only going to get better. So it was huge. I agree. Top four. 100% agree. Um, if I had to make a way too early prediction for my top four next season, it would actually be the no, 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 same Save team. it, save it, save it. Just kidding. It <laughs> wouldn't be the exact same team because it would be in a different order. Anyway, all right. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, that's, I guess, how the Champions League spots turned out in England. I mean, very, very well scheduled, I will say, by the Premier League, like ahead of time to have <laughs> those two games <laughs> yeah, on yeah, the yeah, last day. going to be the last games of the season. Exactly, anyway. exactly. But like, yeah, I, I, it's no matter what, you knew those were going to be competitive games. So that does feel, <laughs> does feel like they were yeah, a little on the nose, a little yeah. on the nose. But, hey, it turned out really well for, for Chelsea. I'm actually very excited to see them back in the Champions League, objectively, um, especially for Christian Pulisic. I, I'm really, really excited to see what he can do back on Europe's top stage. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes for all four of those teams. 
one uh, one player who did take top of the stage, top of the papers, top of everything, apparently, was Jordan Henderson from Liverpool, the captain, the skipper from Liverpool, winning the player of the year, the Premier League player of the year, with, of course, Jamie Vardy winning the golden boot. But that's, I mean, yes, he was the oldest person to win the golden boot, but I don't want to talk about any of that. I don't want to talk about De Bruyne tying the assist record. I, I want to talk about why Jordan Henderson won player of the year when he so obviously was not the player of the year. Rian, I'll let you go because I'm holding my tongue. And the word of the day is narrative. (laughs) Oh my God. I told, I also said this before the break. I said, he's the, the river, the little inklings were there. The, the, uh, I guess whispers were there that he was going to end up getting player of the year. And, for those of our listeners out there, what the player of the year that Jordan Henderson won was the football writers player of the year, which is different from the PFA player of the year, which is the um, award voted on by the players. Um, the football writers one is it's voted on by people who write people who literally form the narrative themselves. <laughs> so in the end, what happens is that we give it to Jordan Henderson because he's the captain of Liverpool who have not won the league in 30 years and he's English and he's been on the team for like six or what, like, like almost a decade now. And, and because it's, it fits. So it fits. So? No, no. Oh, I, I again, <laughs> not arguing with you. I'm trying, I'm, I'm explaining what happened. It fit. It was just, it was just, romantic that's why and 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 i think ultimately we we shouldn't care about these awards that much honestly we shouldn't care that much we we know that jordan henderson was not the best player in the league we can also acknowledge that although he wasn't the best player on liverpool or even one of the three best players or five maybe even six but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> What's your point? <laughs> Sorry, there's a point somewhere in there. Um, no, no, he's, no, he's he's still there's an intangible kind of leadership quality that he has for the team. And again, they hadn't won the, the league in 30 years. They'd never won a Premier League title, so it feels okay that he he that he, that we give it to him. I would have personally given it to like. Sadio Mane or I don't know anyone in Liverpool who is a bit more influential in terms of output, but you know, it, this is, it was never going to go to a t- to a player that's not on Liverpool. It was never going to go to that. It was never going to happen. That's, that's probably true. That is probably true. I, I, I mean, <clears throat> realistically, yeah, it makes sense to give it to a player that was on Liverpool. It makes sense to give it to a Sadio Mane who objectively had a better season. Uh, I don't think Firmino did. I think Salah had a good season. It makes sense to pretty much give it to anyone but Jordan Henderson on not Virgil just Van Dyke, basically. Virgil Van Dyke. And yeah, he was a bit. He, yeah, until like the last like four games this season, it was right. Right. He got I mean, checked out, but so a lot of them did. <laughs> I mean, a lot of them did. So right, but here's the thing, right? Like you. Okay, let me put it to you this way: What if De Bruyne? who objectively, in my opinion, should have won it. Objectively, in my opinion, is 
of course, I'm an oxymoron, but I agree. Uh, I agree. I mean, what if he was English, right? He tied the assist record. He contributed the most goals and assists contribution in the league. Like, what? What if he was English? It doesn't matter if he won. The oh league. my god! If it's Phil Foden, then he went. Then then he would have been <laughs> unanimous. It would have been unanimous, obviously. But, like, like, I'm trying to explain the bias. I'm not telling. I'm not telling you it was right. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. I know that you're not trying to argue the other side, but I'm trying to point out the clear and obvious bias in that Jordan Henderson as. Let, let me point out that I think Jordan Henderson's actually a decent player. Like I think, trust player. me, I'm triggered. I'm triggered by the Anfield Barcelona game. Like I, I, I saw it. Like I know, I know he is a quality player. I do not think he is the best player in the league. And I think a large majority of people would agree with that because if you take out Jordan Henderson from Liverpool side, I think you can replace him with at least one to two other midfielders on Liverpool's team. If you take out De Bruyne from Man City side, not only do you lose basically 30 plus goal assist contribution, you lose the best midfielder in the world. You you lose the best midfielder in the world. You lose so much, just immeasurable contribution. Like he is the linchpin that connects basically the midfield to the attack. Right. And and in time, he just carries it. I don't know how you can say that that player that I just described is not as good as a player that did not have anywhere near that contribution. Forget stats, just in terms of level of importance to his own team. I, I yeah, sure. Yeah. It, you know, it is what it is, man. And I think we have to, we have to also throw in that there are things outside of football, um, that go into this award specifically, because like I said, it's written by, it, it's by writers, it's by the football writers association that, that um, it's their player of the year. Right. And, and we have to acknowledge that Jordan Henderson was, you know, a, a main advocate, one of the advocates um, for making sure that like stuff like these social uh, movement that was going on in the world was brought in to the Premier League too because he's one of the he's one of like the lead um, I believe Players Association uh, representatives for the for the Premier League players and, and so the work they did with the work that he did with um, with other players in that sense and you know the work that he did also to make sure that people uh, helping out with the COVID efforts and, and donations and all that stuff yeah. You have the, all this stuff outside of who he is on the football field. It uh, it goes into that award, and and we'll see if that is the similar kind of thing that we see in the in the PFA's um, Player of the Year. But I have hope that it'll be <laughs> that it'll be De Bruyne because again, like we, he's the best midfielder in the world. There's no there's no reason why why he shouldn't be winning this award very easily. He's a, he's just is the best player in the league, but um, we'll see with the PFA players of the year. Uh, I'll, we'll see with that award. I have a feeling that'll most likely be another Liverpool player and not Henderson, but I'm very interested to see how the voting on that one. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I'm very interested to see the players vote. Cause I do think that has holds, you know, just, just a tad more weight. I don't know about you. Just, just a little bit, but um, 
Yeah, I think that settles it. De Bruyne should have won. I mean, I don't think we should underscore or underweight the fact that Jamie Vardy did win the Golden Boot as the oldest player ever at 33. That is an incredible accomplishment. I mean, think about the strikers that even in the last 10 years, with the increase in physicality or increase in, I guess, physical ability, like that is that is still such an incredible feat. It's, it's such a shame that Leicester missed out on the Champions League, but. Yeah, don't don't underrate that. Like big, big, big props to Jamie Vardy. Yeah, and it's important to know Jamie Vardy's first season in the Premier League was at twenty seven. Like the man's an inspiration, genuinely an inspiration. Um, from seventh tier in in, in England's like football pyramid to the Premier League at twenty seven, and now he's he has over a hundred Premier League goals in like six seasons. Like that's an amazing return, you know. So. Big props to him for keep taking care of his body for this long as well, too. So I I can't even do it for 24 years. And meanwhile, he is out there so, like winning golden boots. So yeah, you, you have, you're out him. here with a bad back <laughs> at such a young age. Yeah. <laughs> but I think with that, Alex, should we uh, just quickly go into you know, our, our very, 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 very early, way, 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 way too early. Um, kind of like early predictions for, for next season or, or who we think are the title challengers for next season. Yep. I think it's going to, here's my top four. I'm just going to give it to you straight. I'm not even going to justify it. I'm going to tell it to you and then we can talk about it. City, Liverpool, Chelsea, United in that order. I'm done. You're up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I told you. It, it does. It does feel like those are the four best teams going to next season. But I mean, we, we always have to throw in that things can change. Things can change very quickly in the sport. Um, yes, but I don't see Arsenal in getting in the top four anytime soon. So. Right, right, right. It, it, <laughs> I don't see top, Spurs I mean, there, so. Yeah, it, it does feel like those are the four teams. Those are most likely the four teams because I think the big thing too is that realistically, as we're seeing with the transfer, as we're um, kind of seeing the effects of COVID and, on transfer like expenditures there's pretty much only like three teams in the league in in england who can spend somewhat who can spend freely almost almost regardless of what happened during the um with covid kind of decimating uh teams finances it's chelsea city and manchester united and manchester united and and those are the Manchester United and Chelsea, we expect to see improve the most out of any of those top four teams, any of the top six teams, really, um, from this season to next. So that feels like the safe, safe bet. I, let's see. Let's see what Wolves do. Let's see what Wolves do in the transfer market. Let's see if they're able to keep Raul Jimenez and um, and you know their core players and are able to add a couple for depth. And who knows? They could be challenging again. I I hope they do. I mean, you know how much of a Wolves fan that I am. Um, I, I don't know if the strength of those top four teams that we were talking about is going to be enough to overcome for Wolves, especially if they lose someone like Raul Jimenez. I really, I wouldn't bank or hold my breath on that, but I would love if Wolves got into the Champions League. Like I, I predicted at the beginning of the season, that United would finish outside the top five and Wolves would finish 
um, in the top five, at least fifth. And so, I mean, close with the fifth part, not close with the Manchester United part um, because, you know, the last day. But anyway, I, I do think that those four teams at the top are pretty rock solid in terms of continuing that through next season, especially if they get Jane Sancho as in United. Well, then you're, you're pretty much benching Martial. So you're going to at least have some depth. Oh, well, no, I wouldn't bench. I don't know. I, you know, I don't know what would happen if, if uh, Jane Sancho came in, but yeah, there, there, there is, I would have guessed most likely green, maybe Greenwood ends up, ends up, sitting on Maybe. the bench and, and Sancho could pop, would play on the right or something like that. But in any case, it's a great problem to have no matter what. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, it's a similar thing with Chelsea. Everyone there's again, a narrative that there's too many attack that there's like almost too many attackers. Oh my gosh. If there's too many attackers on Chelsea. What are they going to do with all of them? They should just <laughs> get defenders instead. <laughs> as I mean, if, they should. <laughs> yeah. They should get defenders <laughs> as well. They should get defenders Along with with the attackers, fair um, enough. Fair uh, enough. You know, it's just like a narrative starts there that there are no, not enough attackers. Meanwhile, the season's going to be the most compressed it's ever been. <laughs> it's probably going to be pretty helpful to have players to rotate through. I don't right. think Manchester City looks at their squad and like, oh gosh, how am I going to fit in Bernardo <laughs> Silva? <laughs> <laughs> Again, a narrative. If you hear this, it's about this is not even just as a Chelsea fan, but genuinely, that narrative makes no sense at all. There's no right, sense right. having too few attackers if you're playing in four competitions. Right, right. Agreed. That's too many so attackers, funny. I should say. Like, like, I, I love get games. Like, what are they talk, what I, are I talking need about? You, I need you to use that voice again with the Bernardo Silva thing that you just did because that was iconic. I, I'm going to keep that snippet and edit it and just make it the whole podcast. But that, okay. I agree with you a hundred percent. That's so episode. Oh my God. What are we going to do? with Bernardo? <laughs> like, I mean, genuine. Like, what, are we, what are we doing? How do I, what are we going to do with Silva? Bernardo Silva? That's going to be the next, that's going to be the name of this podcast. But <laughs> yes, I a hundred percent agree with you. Um, I think it's a good problem to have. I think those top four are solidified. And I think they pretty much stay in the Champions League. It's, it's hard to, I mean, maybe it's recency bias, but it's hard to deviate from that. So that's my take. I think that's our take. But I think uh, Rion, we're probably ready to take a quick break. We'll come back to talk a little bit about the, I guess, upcoming competition, whatever version of that is, in the Champions League um, coming up in the next couple weeks. Champions League Cup. Whatever. Right. This is the last segment of the pod talking about the upcoming Champions League. I was just, I just mentioned this to Rian. I, I actually can't believe it's next Friday. It's in basically a week that the Champions League is back and football is back. Um, major competition, I should say, is back. Um, that's kind of crazy. But Rian, the last time we left off with the Champions League, basically half the ties in the round of 16 finished. Some of them did not. Um, some of the first legs were played. Um, it, it was all confusing, but now I, I guess there's some sort of solidified process where everyone's going to be playing the quarter or excuse me, the round of 16 games of the, the final ones out 
in their home stadiums um, where the second legs were supposed to be. And then everyone then goes to Portugal for the quarterfinals and thereafter. So let's go over, I guess, some of the games coming up literally next week and next weekend. Um, Juventus Leon, of course, Man City and Real Madrid, Bayern and the corpse of Chelsea, um, and Barcelona, <laughs> and Barcelona, <laughs> Napoli. Um, I had, to, I had to, but out of those teams that are still left to compete for the round of 16, let's start there. Who do you think is going to go through? Right. We know the first leg scores. Who do you think is going to go through from the, the first, or I should say the last four games? Yeah, it's, it's, um, obviously these second legs are being played, what, six months after six to five to six months after the first leg were played. So, I mean, just thinking about something like the Man City Real Madrid game, like much different, much different game now. I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe Hazard will make that game, but I, I haven't heard anything. I haven't heard. I haven't heard anything about his injury or how how long term that is. But but that's gonna. That's obviously the one that we'll all have our eyes on Friday at three o'clock. Wow, what a perfect timing if your job doesn't suck and you're able to actually watch it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, obviously, yes. <laughs> but um, no, from there, I think I think Juve one one in their tie with uh, Leon and and we're going to expect Juve to make it through that. If they do not get through that, if they're not able to make it past it, then I would not be surprised if Mercio Sarri might lose his job. Uh, yeah. That it's, it's a possibility. He might lose his job if, if they're not able to make it past Leon. Um, so, but city real, real Madrid is the one we're looking at the most. And that'll be, that's by far the most entertaining of the uh, round 16 that we've got left for next weekend. Bayern Chelsea, just a glorified, a glorified um, tune-up slash friendly for both teams, <laughs> for both teams at this point. Just a glorified yeah, friendly yeah. for both of these teams. Uh, and uh, I mean, Barcelona Napoli. Barcelona won't go through. You? By the way, I'm just saying that right now. I'm just, I'm, no I'm saying it now. Come so I, no, 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 no. I'm Napoli I, are in seventh in Syria. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> Which is why I am not getting my hopes. If Napoli were in like 14th, 13th, uh, then, then maybe we might have a chance. But ooh, mid-table teams and up, man, that's that's apparently tough for us nowadays. So, yeah, I have um, I have no hope for this team. I, genuinely, I, I'm being 100% serious, but I know I know we're laughing about it. But I I genuinely think that Napoli are going to score first at the Camp Nou. I don't know if we'll be able to respond <laughs> and I'm going to have a heart attack by the time the 90th minute rolls around. So I genuinely don't expect Barcelona to get out of the round of 16. I just don't. If they do great. I don't expect them to get past Bayern in the next round. So either way, and I have no hopes. <laughs> and ultimately that's the tough thing is that one side of the bracket is going to be really hard to get to a final. So, yeah. yeah. Impossible. It'd same. It'll be tough for Manchester city as well. Okay. So they w- would potentially play, um, I believe, by the winner of Bayern and Chelsea. Uh, so, yeah, who knows? So, who, who knows? Like that, but, but you're right. Someone's no, got to get no, to the final we, we no <laughs> from that reason, side. We have no reason to believe that Barcelona is in any form or condition <laughs> to 
to to make a a deep Champions League run. But we we've got to note that the quarterfinal and semifinals will be one leg. So I guess it's a one off. I mean, having Messi is great. Yeah, exactly. What I was just about to say. All it'll take 180 minutes of of Leo Messi at like 90 percent of his greatness. Well, it might be enough to get you to a final. Yeah. I mean, it, it pretty much was last season until, sorry, PTSD. Um, but yeah, pretty much. It, 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 yeah. One-off game, I think gives us a, maybe a slight edge, but still, like I said, we're not getting past Napoli. We're not getting past Byron. We're not getting past the semifinals, whatever that looks like. And we're definitely not winning the final. So I'm saying that now to all Barcelona fans and to anyone watching Barcelona to have your expectations at literally a zero. So just, um, that's where I'm at. I'm excited to, to be disappointed once again. Oh, he says this. And then as soon as they're in the quarterfinal and Messi hits a free kick and they're up one, he'll be back in, he'll be right back in. The Messi will just, will have taken all of the powers that he hoped he could have for Argentina in the tournament and, and just directed into this. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. I could not agree with you more. Um, yeah. If, if that happens, if say we get past Napoli in a miracle and then we, we open the score against Bayern in the quarterfinals. Oh my God, I'm going to lose my, I'm going to lose it. I'm actually going to lose it. And then of course we'll lose like five once. So I'm just crying. <laughs> yeah, but, but speaking of Bayern, I think, for me, they are still my main favorite, my favorite to win the yeah. competition, um, followed closely by in second by a Empire Strikes Back-esque um, vibe I'm getting from Manchester City for the next like year after that cast ruling that vindicated um just vindicated them, didn't actually absolve them of crimes, but vindicated them for sure that the crimes were okay enough. And so I think we're going to see a really motivated uh, Pep and entire Manchester City team. Uh, so I they, they would be very scared for me purely for the fact that they will be even more supremely focused than ever. And now there are no games in between this, in between these um, that'll take their folks away from it. So uh, it's unfortunate that they're both unfortunate that they're both on the same uh, side of the bracket, but damn, it'll be a great semifinal. That's over, over one leg. It'll feel like a final for sure. If we get Bayern and playing man city in the semifinals and the narrative, <laughs> it will be, the narratives, the multiple narratives for that game will, will be wonderful. Pep, the potential of Pep going back to uh, Bayern. <laughs> oh, my God. That would be yeah. great. That would be, or go yeah. play Bayern to play Bayern. But that would be, that I would mean, be don't, don't rule out Real Madrid. Seriously. No, of course. Um, um, yeah. We, we, do, we do know, like you said, Zidane does have some – him and I think Ramos. and I think they both have some sort of like blood pact, some kind of demon. Uh, it's black S- magic. It's black magic. Demon has sacrifice for tournaments. Like, so you're right. We can, we can never count them out. And, and they, are, they are behind two um, in aggregate against Manchester City. It's 2-1 after that first leg. So they're going to go into that game pretty much – no pressure at all and go full guns blazing at Manchester city 
who, you know, as we know, have a notoriously very solid, trusted um, center back pairings. Sarcasm. Oh, you're smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, a hundred percent agreed. I think that's really the second leg is not like nothing is done. Just for the record, I just want to point that out. I don't think anything is done with Manchester City. So that would that would be my takeaway. Um, I I will say I'm just shifting gears to the other side of the bracket. I I don't know who's going to make it to the final there either. Like as as so much Atlanta baby. That's I, would, I mean. That that would be almost the obvious choice, other than nah, PSG. Well, but yeah, like, well, PSG are now going to be missing Mbappe for that game. We should note with an angle. God, oh my God! Seriously, they're going to have Neymar, Cardi, and Cavani. Wow! No way! That's crazy. Okay, relax. They still have a really good side. Um, Atalanta, <laughs> though, yes, have scored a crap ton of goals um, in Serie A this year, and also the Champions League. So. I, like, that's the thing. I don't know who to pick between PSG and Atalanta because none of those, te- well, and Atletico Madrid, none of those teams have won a Champions League. And one of them are going to be in, in the final. So if I had to put money on it, and it, it, I mean, on a team getting to the final, probably going to put it on Atalanta. Probably. That would be the most fun team to see and to make, make this run, make a run, really. Um, as much as we say Atleti hasn't won a Champions League final, um, they've been in two of them in the last six years. Uh, and Or is two, right? Not three. Yeah. Yeah, two, not two, correct? Yeah. No, they've just played Real Madrid three times. So, so <laughs> got mixed up. that's why I got mixed up, messed up. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But no, no, Atletico, that is a team that has a manager that knows how to make it to a Champions League final, that players who are on those teams. So... I think they te- they should technically be the favorites uh, because of the experience and and man even in one in one legged ties it's they're they're going to be really hard to score against still <laughs> yeah and and they've got they they showed during the restart and they showed during the restart that that they can get the goals like that we they had problems getting the goals that they deserved in some or creating the chances and finishing the chances that they deserved i think in the first part of the season but during the restart they they looked they looked good they looked good and and um i think they i think for me they'll be they'll be my favorite to make it out of that group but my heart wants atalanta seriously but, yeah team, yeah I, I, we should say atalanta a team that scored 98 goals in thirty-seven, in their first, in the thirty-seven games in in Serie A, they still have one game left to play. But that's absurd. They score goals that for is fun. actually absurd. They're one of the they're yeah. one of the most entertaining teams. They are like in the top three of most just purely attacking entertainment. Like one of the most entertaining teams in Europe. So and I, and be I believe that they they don't even history. have their top scorer is not the top scorer in Serie A. Interestingly enough. So. Yeah, they get goals from everywhere. It's it's they're awesome. They're a really fun team to watch. They, their games have a lot of goals from the other team as well sometimes, but the Atalanta PSG tie is my second most um anticipated game um behind Man City and Real Madrid. I I hundred percent agree. I mean I'm very much looking forward to the other side of the bracket. As stacked as the Bayern, Chelsea, Barcelona, Real Madrid city side is the other side is still going to be very entertaining. Um, but let's, I mean, let, let's get down to it. 
who's going to win the champions league. That's, that's the most important thing, right? This redefined competition. Who's your, I mean, who's your pick? My pick is Bayern still. I said it, said it at the beginning of the, or when Germany came back from the restart, they look like the most balanced and just, we were waiting all year for a team to really jump out and kind of establish themselves as like showing that they actually are the best team in Europe. And like, you know, usually every year we have a good feeling of who is the standout team in terms of, uh, how they play and the players they have, but Bayern have the players to win in all three parts of the field, whether it's in their own third, the um, middle third of the pitch and the, the attacking third. So they're the, the most dangerous overall team, I think for me. So that, that, that makes them my favorites. I a hundred percent agree with you. I have no reason to doubt that Bayern are the number one favorite. If I had to, if I had to absolutely pick a dark horse, I'm, I don't know why I'm going to do this, but I'm going to pick PSG because I said it at the beginning of the season. They, I think have been relatively consistent in the champions league this season. I don't know if this is their time to shine and and finally win it, but they have the easier side of the bracket relative to the, to the opposite side. If it was ever going to happen. It would be now. Right. If it's ever, if it's ever going to happen and the final is never going to be easy, regardless of who they face, even if they make it to the semifinals, the finals, like they'll have to make it past a tough team. So this is their time to shine. I I think if I had to pick a team other than Bayern, it would be PSG. So unfortunately, but best of luck. (laughs) Yeah. We should note that if they make it past the quarterfinal, there's a chance uh, looking at the timeline of, Mbappe's injury, I believe it's around three weeks. There's a possibility that he could make it to the semifinal if, if they're able to get past Atalanta. So, I mean, once they're at that point, you've got Mbappe, Icardi, and um, Neymar all healthy and, and potentially clicking. Like, that's extremely difficult that's, team that's to stop. That's pretty dangerous. <laughs> extremely difficult team to stop in a one-off, in a complete one-off game. Yeah, I wouldn't want to come up against that. It's like a FIFA team, but in real life, basically. So, <laughs> Anyway, I think that wraps it up for at least the Champions League portion. Um, like we said, we'll obviously be watching football the rest of the season. The FA Cup Finals coming up on Sunday, so we have one last game to look forward to before the Champions League. Um, best of luck to Chelsea and Arsenal, um, who both teams are just shockingly opposite, but best of luck to them. And I don't know. I think we're going to take, like we said, that vacation and um, we'll get back to you guys in a couple of weeks. Yeah. FA Cup is pretty much the last thing left in England. We'll be watching the Champions League games. Um, hopefully we'll get to watch a few of them together. But outside of that, you know, like we said, I like we said during the 50th episode, appreciate everyone who, who have taken the time to listen and Genuinely, thank you, thank you, thank you for everyone who listened and uh, supported us during this first year. And we'll see you guys again in a few weeks. And potentially, Ellie and I will be doing this together in a one room. Final. Imagine <laughs> it's been it's literally been months, but we'll bring it to you guys when we can. So thank you guys again, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks.